as hard work as it was, we were constantly surrounded by beautiful surroundings. Mm. So it, it was, you know, it was difficult to get grumpy. to the Budget-Minded Traveler podcast, your source for the everyday inspiration and practical tips that make international travel accessible to everyone. All right, we're back for another episode in this series about alternative forms of transportation in travel. And this one is sure to throw you for a loop. We are about to sit down with a guy named Mike Sewell who actually ran, yes, ran like with his own two feet the entire length of the Carretera Austral in Chilean Patagonia, which if you recall, is the exact same route that I just did by car. Mike first contacted me in the months leading up to his big Patagonia running expedition. And then we figured out that we'd be on the same route at the same time. So we actually got to meet up in person twice once in the middle of nowhere during the road trip slash run. And once after the fact, when we had both finished, and that's when we actually recorded this episode. So you'll notice that it sounds a little different than normal. That's because we weren't on a Skype call in quiet rooms using microphones somewhere across the world from each other. We were sitting together in a cafe in Puerto Natales, Chile, drinking coffee and chatting about his experience. So please just bear with me if you hear background noise. That's just the way that it goes when you have a mobile office. Um, also, you'll hear that in the episode, which we recorded this back in January of 2018, uh, Mike didn't quite want to say yet what his next running expedition project would be. But not only is the word officially out, he's actually doing it right now. So if you want a link to follow his current expedition, check out the show notes page at thebudgetmindedtraveler.com slash 92. And you'll find it there along with, of course, everything else that we mentioned today. Um, so before I transport you and myself back to that cafe in Patagonia with Mike, let's first hear from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by biketours.com, a company passionate about cycle touring that makes choosing and booking a European bike tour incredibly simple. They offer over 200 bike tours, both guided and self-guided, across 40 countries in Europe with packages starting at just $700 a week, all ages and abilities welcome. They map the route, book the hotels, and provide you with bike rental equipment, so all you have to do is say yes and show up for your adventure. Check out biketours.com to view tours or go to travelingjackie.com slash bike tours to learn more about my personal experiences cycling with them. So I am here in Patagonia with Mike Sewell, who I met, let's see, you first contacted me on Facebook yeah. um, months ago. What? And oh, I remember what you said. You said, what are the chances you're going to be in Patagonia in what, November or something. And I just remember writing back 100% because <laughs> I already knew that I was going to be here. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd seen that you had you traveled here before or you had knowledge of the area. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, I think the first thought was to get knowledge and then it kind of, then I saw that we were going to be in Pasadena at the same time. So mm -hmm. I thought it would be good to meet you. Yeah. Yeah. So here we are in person, which is pretty cool because we've, we've actually already met once in person uh, because we both just did the Carretera Austral, which is the only road that goes through Chilean Patagonia uh, that essentially connects Northern Patagonia with 
with Southern, although it doesn't doesn't quite go through if you have a car. Yeah. Um, but tell everybody how you did it because we did it quite <laughs> differently. <laughs> Actually, wait. Let's let's back up real quick. Mike, where are you from? <laughs> so I'm from South Africa. South Africa. Yeah. And you're a runner. Yes. So I've I've run all my life basically. Uh, my dad got me into it from junior school even. Yeah. Um, and yes, over the years, it's the distances have progressed. So, you know, from 5K, 10K to half marathon, uh-huh. full marathon. And then, as I mentioned earlier, my first ultra marathon, which happened to be off-road as well, was in Lake Tahoe. Yeah, my home. Uh, 2008, yeah. So, and for sure that sparked an adventure side to running as well, because running can take you places like it did there. And so I've been to some amazing places since. I've been to the Sahara, um, where I did a seven day race to the the European Alps, four day race, you know, it takes you to some, some awesome places. And even in South Africa, there's some amazing races where you get off the roads. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, for me, that's more special. I don't do as much of it as I'd like. Um, South Africa, the road running scene is very big, um, but the trail is booming at the moment. The trail <laughs> running scene is booming, so, yeah. I love so, it. I'm, I'm in love with trail running. It's one of my absolute favorite things to do, and especially as a traveler because... Uh, well, especially as a nomadic traveler with a carry-on bag, because I can't bring my soccer cleats with me everywhere, you know, in a soccer ball, but I can always run. Yeah. And so it's one of the things that kind of keeps me going and um, really grounds me. But I, lo- I it's, it's such a fun way to see a place. Exactly, yeah. And, yeah, when you told me that you were going to be running, actually, my first thought when you said you were going to be running was, how can I be involved in this? Really, that was the first thing that I thought was, I want to do that, even though I also half think that you're crazy. <laughs> How well, far was it? So we, so there were, there ended up being two of us. Yeah. Um, originally, I hadn't found anyone to join me because it, it requires time and a bit of money and also requires the mindset that you're going to run 1,200 kilometers. 1,200 kilometers. I think it's about 700, 750 miles. Yeah. Oh, my so, gosh. <laughs> Just a little bit. Yeah. So... But what, what did make you want to run it? And how did you even find out about this area? Because Patagonia in general, there's still so much that is not known. Yeah. But the Carretera Austral, like... It's very, uh, I, I don't know very many people, I think I know one person who's ever done it ahead of me, you know, and so it's it's not, it's even less known yeah. than, I guess, the rest yeah. of Patagonia. So how did that happen for you? So I, I guess taking a few steps back, Patagonia as a destination, just the region had been on my list for quite some time. And originally I was just looking to come do some hiking. And that kind of evolved into wanting to do a running expedition. Mm-hmm. And I made contact actually with a, a South African expat who lives in Puerto Montt. Uh-huh. And I just found him, I think on YouTube, I found one of his videos or something. And I said to him, I've changed from a trekking holiday to a running expedition. Can you recommend a route, uh-huh. point A to point B, somewhere in Patagonia? Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and he sent me three or four options, and and one of them was the Karatera Orchestra. What were the other ones? I'm curious. Uh, Do you remember? I, I, I've still got the email, yeah. but I'd have to I'll have to dig have them to out. Look. Yeah, because when I looked up the Karatera Orchestra and Googled it, yeah. it was perfect. You know, it's, so it's, you wanted it's, a big one. Yeah, I think I said to him, "You need." I'm looking for something that's roughly a thousand kilometers. Oh wow! Okay. Because oh, to, to do an expedition to fly somewhere in the world, you don't you don't want to do it for a week, even two. You really want to make it an expedition. Yeah. At least this right. is how I felt. So it was like I'm looking for something that's you know around a thousand kilometers mm-hmm. and. It literally just ticked all the boxes. So, two questions. I want to know what are, what are all those boxes for you? What were you looking for? And two, what do you consider an expedition? Like, what what is that in your mind? What were what were you looking for? Maybe those can be answered together. Yeah. So, an expedition, I, I think, is actually quite a strong word. It's more like an exploratory pioneer. Yeah, I think the true definition leans towards that. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was a, uh, a multi-week project where you are doing something out of the ordinary. You are being pushed to certain limits physically and mentally, potentially. Mentally as a result of the physicalness. Right. And doing it somewhere unusual, mm-hmm. somewhere not common, you know, somewhere that's that piques people's interest, that makes them go, where is that? Mm. Never heard of it. That's a way. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, I, I, I love where I'm from, South Africa, and we, our two biggest cities are Johannesburg and Cape Town, and it's also 1,200 kilometers. So oh, okay. it would be naturally perfect to run between those two cities. But it's on my doorstep. I will do it one day. Yeah. But it, it didn't have that appeal that, say, Patagonia did. Uh-huh. Okay, so that's that's one of the boxes, was to do it somewhere, I guess, kind of exotic, adventurous. And then the Carretera Austral, the more I read about it, the more blogs I saw, videos, I, it just got the the essence of the wildness. Yeah, oh, that's Patagonia. Was more and more and more. And yeah. I, I intentionally managed my expectations before arriving because I was worried I was all all these all this input I was getting was just so brilliant. Yeah. That I was worried I was gonna arrive and I was gonna have over built it. You know, I'd built my expectations. But it just lived up to everything. Uh-huh. And more. It's, I mean you you did the same reach as me. Yeah. I think the the best thing about what we did was running it. We were, it's the slowest way of traveling other than, say, walking it. Mm-hmm. And you just get to take in so much. It was incredible. Every day, even if it was pouring with rain, it was, apart from the misery that came from being wet and cold, there was, it was still, you'd, you know, come around a corner and there'd still be this mountain mm-hmm. that you could see through the rain, mm-hmm. the snow caps and the other side of a river. Yeah, it was fantastic. It was brilliant. I mean, yeah, the landscape. Oh my gosh, I, I, I'm just I, sh- I shake my head, and I wonder where we can go from here because it's so beautiful. What mm-hmm. do you do after Patagonia? Yeah. And especially that route. It's so amazing. I know exactly what you're talking about. I mean, yeah. it's so and I- incredible. And it keeps getting better as yeah. you go. And it's, yeah. I mean, how can it keep getting better? Yeah. 
it's it's so insane. I, I think what makes it so incredible as well is how quiet it is. Yeah. Because there are as beautiful places, other as beautiful places in the world, but they have got a tourist, massive tourist office, and they've got mm. just tours and tours going right. through. So Karatera Austral certainly is wild. And again, the, as you said, the further south you go, that last from Cochrane South is fantastic. It's my favorite section. Mm-hmm. There's literally one road. It's the <laughs> least traveled part. Right, because it's the end. Yeah. Yeah. And the weather was the moodiest. The terrain was just incredibly wild. Yeah. So it was special. It was truly, truly special. Yeah. So this, you did this expedition self-supported which is a little hard to wrap your head around because you're running it. Yeah. So tell us about what that looks like and what that meant for you, what you needed to do sure. to make that happen. So before I get into that, you asked about the boxes earlier. So oh, yeah. Yeah. I answered some of them, but the, the self-supportedness would, yeah. would be something that would add weight to a project, turning it into an expedition of sorts, I would say. Mm-hmm. So when when the when I was first organizing the the, the tour, the expedition, um, I did consider doing it supported. Um, I did look into it. Which would mean having a car, someone else with you exactly, with yeah. a car to yeah. carry your stuff, etc. So by self-supported we mean completely alone exactly with all of your gear yeah. with you on the road yeah. just to be clear for you guys listening so <laughs> so yeah and to elaborate on that what what we did was we had jogging strollers mm-hmm. so normally you would have a baby inside and it's more than a it's more than a your usual pram in that it's it's purposely built for running mm-hmm. with with the child in inside so instead of the child we had all our everything that we needed to survive basically so we had tents sleeping bags clothes um, and food so we could literally go anywhere between three and five days without needing to find a, a store or a f- source of food. Yeah. And we could camp wild, mm-hmm. we, which we did a number of times because because you're running, you're not necessarily going to get to the next town each day. Yeah. So that, you know, that was part of the plan. And again, that's, you know, added an edge to it. Yeah. Not necessarily knowing where you're going to sleep that day. But for me, that was fantastic. Like, it didn't matter. It was oh, my just gosh. Like, yeah. let's just go. Yeah. and see what happens. And that element really appeals to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and this route was perfect for that because it's it's safe. There's very, there's very human, very little human traffic. It's beautiful. You could camp next to rivers. Yeah. Um, it was just fantastic, yeah. So the, the element of just going and working things out is is one of my... One of my preferences mm-hmm. is to almost just, you know, bash it through and work it out. Yeah. So. I share that sentiment for that trip because I don't, and I think my listeners probably know this about me, I don't normally do that really anymore. You know, like I'm, I like to know where I'm sleeping at night and usually it's, that's because I don't want to be stuck in a hostile dorm, you know, like it, it matters where I sleep because I'm a light sleeper and, you know, like I'm just kind of, I'm over the, the that part of the backpacking scene and yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I've been doing this for a long time, you know. <laughs> um, but on that specific 
trip on that road, we didn't have plans, not a single day, you know, and we did the same thing. We wild camped a, a lot. So pretty much all we did. Um, and that's, but that's the nature of that road. That's just what yeah. you do. You just, you go until you see something that interests you and you check it out and you kind of take your time and you have yeah. a direction in mind and you get there. Don't, and, don't you think it's like one massive national park? And within that park, you're allowed to almost do what you want. So if, yeah. as you said, if you want to camp here tonight, you yeah. can. Yeah. And you're constantly surrounded by amazing beauty oh and landscapes. Oh my gosh, the most. And hanging glaciers and just yeah. unreal. Sites. Yeah, in, in, on our, we had a project page on Facebook and one of my descriptions was that, you know, every day is just a changing landscape, mm -hmm. but constantly beautiful. Yeah. So, and long. I mean, there were so many national parks in there. So many yeah. different parks along the way and things to see and detours to take. That's one thing that you, you couldn't really do. Yeah, from it, it was the one disadvantage. We kind of weren't on holiday because yeah. we had, I guess, an objective. Right. Um, we were limited by... So Roger, the friend who joined me, he... Um, had a subsequent holiday, which he needed to finish the expedition before. Okay. So we had a, we did have a fixed window. Um, it was more than enough time. And towards the back end, when we knew that we had enough time to finish, we did add in one or two days. But we, we did a few must-dos. So we did the Cerro Castilla hike. Okay, good. Um, we did the marble caves mm -hmm. in Puerto Tranquillo. Mm -hmm. uh, we took the diversion to... Um, Tortel. Tortel. Yeah. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. Um, but yes, there were times where I was where I was like, oh, we should be climbing that or we should be mm. going to see that or it would be nice to stay here for a few more days. But, you know, we had an objective. It, right. was, it wasn't a complete holiday. It was an adventure with an objective. Right. So um, we, you know, we, we set out to achieve something, I guess. And you um, did it. Yeah, it was, it was fantastic finishing. You know, I, I don't think I've, I've started telling people that I, I didn't start, I wouldn't have started it if I didn't think I could finish it. Mm -hmm. So... Not to say that not finishing it wasn't an option, but, you know, I think um, I never doubted that we, we wouldn't do it. Um, yeah. And, you know, to be honest, um, we did it over a period of six weeks, which is it's quite a lot of time. I don't think we were pushed to our limits too many times in terms of doing distance in a day or being really being tested by the elements. We had a handful of days that will be remembered for, <laughs> for a very long time. That does not surprise me. Yeah. <laughs> this Patagonia um, weather, man. Yeah, so I, we were very lucky. We've, yeah. you know, I read a lot about the wind and the, and the rain and stuff, but I think we had five miserable days. So out of six weeks, wow, that's, that's, that's very unbelievable. lucky. Yeah. And you know, if we consider we were camping most times, it's that's uh, you yeah. Know, we were very lucky. I think we packed. We had to pack up our tents in in rain twice. That's it. Um, yeah. So. Wow, that's really surprising. Yeah. I mean, the weather yeah, we can be lucky. crazy. We were lucky. 
down here. So, so, so did you start in Puerto Montt? Yeah. Or okay. Yeah. So we started at the pier in Puerto Montt, where Route Seven starts. starts. Okay. So you went and, and took the first ferry and everything. Yeah. 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 So uh, the only section we didn't do was I think it's um, past Bonapiran. Yeah. The road actually continues, but it's a dead end. Okay. You, you catch the ferry from about 30 kilometers before the road dead ends, but it didn't seem like there was any point going down that road. Oh. Yeah, do you follow? Yeah. Yeah, so the road actually continues past But that, that the ferry. doesn't really matter then. Yeah. No, no. So, yeah, we otherwise... And you, so, yeah, route. you went all the way down and... You ended in Via O'Higgins then. Yeah. Well, actually, you would have continued by foot into Argentina, no? From there? Or how yeah, did you well, do it? The, so the expedition ended at the end of the Carretera Austral, in which Bia was Higgins. about seven kilometers past. Okay. Another, well, that one was slightly different because to get the ferry out of Villa O'Higgins or yeah. Villa O'Higgins, you had to go past the town. Was, okay. Yeah. But we, I guess the ceremonial finish was as we came into Villa Higgins. And then we did go to the very end, kind of for the photos and the- Of course. Yeah, there's a board at the very end. Okay. Um, Yeah, I didn't make it there, as you know. We didn't go all the way down there because it's another ferry. And for us, we didn't have enough time. I mean, you you saw a lot. Yeah. I would say that last stretch is, was special. It had a it had a slight edge to it. Yeah. Um, I can imagine. Which the rest of the route didn't. So that was that was pretty cool. You know, there was a quite a big pass that you know had some sketchy uh, parts to it. And yeah. Especially when the way there was. Well, not, yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, it's also different because we were in a car and you can't. Keep going from Vio Higgins. You have to turn yeah. around and backtrack, and for us, it would have been yeah. a f- couple hundred kilometers or more. Yeah, I can't I even remember. From, a couple days. Did you have to come back via Cochrane? Yeah, we would have yeah. had to go so from even, Cochrane to Higgins is two hundred and forty. Right. Okay. So the first yeah. pass that's open to vehicles is north of Cochrane in Parque Patagonia, like even uh, a little yes, bit more yes. north. And so it would have been kind of a haul for us, yeah. which is why we only only went to Tortel, which is still <laughs> down there, but yeah. So then when you got down there, how did, how did you go? Is that when you did the Wemul circuit or no? Well, so yes, from O'Higgins, so we finished, you know, that yeah. was the end of the expedition. And so Roger from O'Higgins made his way back to Puerto Montt mm-hmm. by buses and a plane to go back home and onto his next oh, holiday okay. in mm-hmm. the Seychelles. So <laughs> vacation time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I met a friend and her cousin in O'Higgins, and the three of us then made the crossing, which which requires yeah. you, know, you get a ferry okay. to uh, or across a lake. And then it's a, I think it's about a 25 kilometer trick, basically. The first part's quite it's easy amazing. because it's, it's, it's so on a dirt short. road. And then the last, I think it's five or seven kilometers, it's a single trail, mm-hmm. which is fine if you're walking just with a backpack, because it's, you know, it's yep. like hiking. Um, I still had- A stroller. Harriet the chariot. <laughs> Harriet the chariot. Yeah. Um, so that was actually Harriet's most testing part of the whole trip mm. because it was, 
she was going through rivers, through um, through muddy sections, like getting bashed around quite badly. But um, it was pretty cool. It's, it's a very nice hike that finishes um, at another lake, now on the Argentinian side. Yeah. And then you get another ferry or you can walk it. We got the ferry because I had uh, the stroller. Uh, another ferry across the lake and then you get a, a bus into El Chalte. That's so crazy. How long did that take you? We did it in a day, the whole okay. thing, but we we did get the very first ferry out of yeah. Higgins, and then we caught the last ferry into well, okay. know, the one that goes yeah. to, close to El Chalte. Well, we had to drive 500 miles around to get to Chalte. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think we were there. I was just ahead of you most of the way on this. I think so, or no, yeah. you were ahead of, a, of us most Initially, of the way. I think from when we first met in Cochrane, I think you then... That's when we caught up. Yeah. yeah. And then apart from your backtrack, I think after that you were then ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That yeah, I've been so... seeing your posts on uh, Instagram and I'm like, I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> there. Right. Yeah. yeah, it was so... Yeah chance that we ended up meeting in Cochrane because I mean you know there's no cell service there's no cell service there's no wi-fi there's just nothing for being connected on that whole road and suddenly a text comes in and you're saying you're in the same town as me and we're literally about to leave in like half an hour that was very lucky (laughs) because we had been out wild camping you know and so I was just passing through service and this was really cool to get to actually cross paths with you and then what you didn't get to do was actually push the stroller uh, i didn't even yeah. i didn't even see the stroller no i've just packed it up today as well um, yeah. so tell us how you packed the stroller what was uh you mean during the the yeah, run for the um yeah, for your so as i mentioned earlier we we had to be self-sufficient so tent basically it was was the same approach as if you're going for a multi-day hike in the mountains yeah. so Tent, sleeping bag, all your cooking equipment, so, you know, your camping cooking equipment, um, clothing. Uh, so we, we kept it quite light, so, you know, only a few running shirts, a yeah. few socks, uh, you know, those probably got, uh, we had the most of. Um, we had multiple pairs of shoes because uh, 1,200 kilometers is a bit much, was too much for one pair. Yeah. Generally, a pair of shoes can last between 500 and 800 kilometers. Um, so we had multiple pairs of shoes. Also, um, if they get wet, then you want. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, actually running in wet shoes is the quickest way to dry them. That's so true. that wasn't an issue. Um, then spare tubes, spare tires, a, f- a few mechanical things. So tool sets mm-hmm. um, in case anything came loose or came off. And, and then food. Mm-hmm. So we would stock up whenever we got to a town or a village um, and we'd, we'd estimate how long it would take us to the next town or village. So we would eat a lot of pasta. Yeah, we um, ate a lot of pasta. Light and easy to cook. <laughs> because the towns were so small and they didn't have the greatest selection of, of foods mm-hmm. and, and especially fresh stuff, we just ate whatever we could find. Yeah. So we ate a lot of junk food. Yeah. But our bodies were craving it, so it was, yeah, yeah. not that uh, we were watching our weight, but yeah, so we, we ate a lot of biscuits, cookies, <laughs> uh, brownies, sweets, crisps. Crisps are quite high, and uh, we started getting uh, 
quite specific about which foods had the highest calorie count. Ah, uh, yeah. Because, you know, that's, yeah, you that's what it. we wanted. Right. Yeah, So crisps are actually quite high. <laughs> we learned. Eat all the junk food and just run it off every yeah. day. Yeah, so yeah. it was cool. You know, also going into a store in a foreign country and just trying to work out what things are or, mm-hmm. you know, what the words in Spanish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because you don't you don't speak Spanish, right? No, it was it. You know, try not to have regrets, but it's the only regret I have for the trip is that I didn't I didn't learn Spanish uh, because well, six weeks. Don't be too hard on yourself. No, I mean like before I wanted to arrive, being able mm. to converse because. I'm very interested in people's stories. Yeah. And there were a few people, a few interesting, well, not not a few, there were a, a number of interesting people we met along the way that I was able to have a basic conversation with them, but left feeling that, damn, I, I really wanted to hear more about them. So, yeah. But, you know, we, we got by with the basics. What do you think you spent, not counting plane tickets, on this trip, maybe preparing like gear and then what you actually spent on the okay. road, you're just really paying for money, right? Or er, money for food. For food, yeah. I think gear wise, you know, so let's exclude all the camping stuff. I, th- I okay. think that yeah. people are quite familiar with, you know, buying a tent, maybe. Um, Backpacking gear, lightweight. Exactly. Yeah, so we we had all of that except the actual backpack. We didn't need obviously the backpack. Right, you we, had a stroller. Had a stroller. Um, so you know, in in rand terms, that was probably five thousand rand. So we, we're talking about four or five hundred dollars US, maybe. Um, the the most expensive thing was the stroller. Mm-hmm. So it's it's. Um, it's a brand called Thule. Thule, yeah. T-H-U-L-E. Yeah, it's from Sweden. Um, and I think because it's imported to South Africa, and the South African currency is quite weak against uh, a lot of the other currencies in the world, that was the most expensive. But fortunately, I, made a, I had a contact at a distributor, and they basically set me up at half price. Um, but that was about... In th- South Africa. In so you, South took Africa. All, you took care of all that there. Yeah. Yeah. And then you didn't have a problem shipping the stroller. I didn't have a with problem. I mean, it cost me a hundred dollars. Hundred dollars on the plane. Yeah, to, yeah. yeah. So um, the chariot comes in a box, uh-huh. in quite a big box. It's like a like a bike box. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. comparable to that. So the airline I flew with, um, they I'd, I'd seen this beforehand, so I was prepared. They charged a hundred dollars mm-hmm. um, to move it across, which was oh, it was okay. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, I managed to get the chariot gear, all of that, for about $1,000, roughly, mm-hmm. um, which is about half price of what it retails. Okay. So that was quite, I was quite grateful for that. Yeah, and then along the road, we would spend, I would say, uh, between five and 10,000 pesos a day. Five and 10, that's pretty good. That's like less than $20. I think so, yeah. Yeah, because we would, camping would be 5,000 generally. Oh, so you paid for the campground sometimes. Yeah. yeah. But then there were days where we wild camped. So right. that was obviously Which is free. free. Yeah. And then I think food was anywhere between, yeah, two and 10,000 pesos a day, depending mm. if we ate at a 
in a town or made our own. So yeah, it's a really cheap trip, really. Yeah, all yeah. said and done. Yeah, once you have, it's I would say it's very cheap. Do you have any? I'm struggling to think of who else might be crazy enough to do this, but I guess not just for the for this specific route, but do you yeah. have any tips for anyone who might consider doing a running expedition, traveling like this? Yeah, maybe before I get into that, um, the, the concept of how I did it, so I pushing a stroller, yeah. um, was not my idea. There, there are a few people out there who have done it. Um, there's a, a guy called Dave Chamberlain, He's also South African. Um, he's actually in the middle of something called the Hug Run. And he's running around the world. Oh, really? Yeah. Basically, he's effectively, he's trying to promote getting the most out of life. Okay. Yeah. Um, and he's, I think one of his strap lines is he's searching for the perfect hug. <laughs> so, yeah, I... Um, I'd heard about him through a friend and looked him up and he's done a few projects like, like the one I've just done. He, he actually ran the length of Argentina. Oh, wow. I think that was his first project. And he did something back home. He ran across Canada. And now he's doing this, I think it's a six year project. Wow. So yeah, so that's where I got the idea of this trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, it is in terms of tips for doing something similar. Um, it is, I would say a very good way of transporting your stuff if you are wanting to do something by foot. Mm-hmm. Because you're pushing it once, once you're actually pushing the stroller, it's actually, you know, once you've got momentum on the wheels, it's actually easy. On a, on a flat road, you're not having to put in a lot of effort. The difficulty came with the uphills yeah. and with the dirt road. Oh my gosh, yeah. I was going to say, those roads were not flat. Yeah, yeah. I mean... You must have struggled. I, I was thinking about you on those roads. <laughs> just, oh, I would not want to be pushing a stroller. Yeah. I would think that sometimes, you know? So, they, yeah, there were, I mean, how many undulations? There was just oh, man. Like hill after hill after hill. So, we, we would walk the uphills because it's, you know, you're pushing about 40 kilograms, between 30 and 40 kilograms, depending on how much food you've got. Mm-hmm. Um, so to run up the hill, you would just, you would, you know, burn out way too quickly. So we would walk the uphills. The, the dirt roads, even if they were flat, if they were too corrugated, they, yeah. is that what you call them? Um, r- ripples. Um, um, you guys understand what we're saying. The yeah. washboard, 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 that's yeah. what we call it. If, if it was too rough, you actually couldn't run it because the, the stroller yeah. would just bounce almost out of sequence to the road. Does that uh, makes sense? Yeah. You've got this stroller that's bouncing around and you're trying to find a rhythm as well. There were some sections that we actually just had to walk. Also where the, if the gravel was too thick, it wasn't, oh. it wasn't packed tightly. Right. Kind of sinking. Yeah, you'd be sinking and shifting around. That sounds like so much work. It was at times, but yeah. you know, as, as hard work as it was, we were constantly surrounded by beautiful surroundings. Mm. So it, it was, you know, it was difficult to get grumpy. It was easy to get grumpy, but <laughs> it was... But then you just look up. Yeah, mm. yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think for anyone wanting to do something similar, my, my first bit of advice, which is starting to apply through a lot of things in life, is just do it. Just, just get out there and do it. 
even if you're completely unprepared, you're gonna learn, you're gonna, you might, you might fail a few times, but that's how you're gonna learn. Yeah. So number one is just go and do it. We've never heard that on this show before. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's not, recurring theme. Uh, it's, it's not great. an original phrase, either, <laughs> but it, it's very appropriate. Yeah. It's incredibly appropriate. Just try it, yeah. Yeah, and then you do need a certain level of preparedness. You know, you want to have your camping gear, you want to be um, rain resistant. Yeah, um, especially in Patagonia. Exactly, yeah. And there's not that much to it. It's a pretty basic form of travel. It's a pretty basic activity. Mm-hmm. You know, you might want to document it because it's such a wonderful place. So I didn't do nearly as much as I wanted to. Um, that was just a, a byproduct of, I, I guess, actually running. So when you're in a rhythm, you don't want to you don't want to keep stopping to take photos or do videos and set up cameras and yeah. So if I do something like this again, I will I'll try um, I'll probably do it supported, mm-hmm. so that I've got someone who can do more documenting um, because I'd like to I'd like to you know make short videos about the adventures that people can use for inspiration yeah. or to prepare for their own thing. It's hard to do when you're running and pushing a stroller. Yes, that was impossible. I, I, I got a, it's called a, a GoPro Karma Grip. Mm-hmm. So it's basically, it's a selfie stick. Well, it's like a selfie stick with a, a gimbal on the top. So- uh, To stabilize? Yeah. Yeah, it's the like camera, a, so yeah. That, uh-huh. yeah, so you could, you know, you could run with this thing in your hand and, it and the stabilize. shot would be stable. That's but more than just a stabilizer, more than just a shaking stabilizer, you could do this with your arm and the shot would stay. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, so I kind of, I was a bit over geared in that respect. Um, <laughs> didn't end up right. using Makes it sense. that much. But, but who, yeah. how did, yeah, you didn't know that yeah. though. So I know for next so. time. Yeah. 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 So the next question is then, where are you gonna? Where are you gonna? Are you thinking about doing another one? Absolutely, yeah. So we hadn't done 400 kilometers. Where like when I'd come up, when I I thought of the next Ooh, or uh-huh. another project, um, and then closer to the end, I came up with another with a series of projects that are are linked. Yeah, I, perhaps. I don't know if I want to say it yet because it's still you very don't have early. To. Yeah. You don't have to. <laughs> but I'll let you know. Okay. Um, when, oh, this when is I'm, sense. Yeah, when I'm launching um, okay. phase two. I mean, I mentioned to you, I have thought about rerunning the yeah. Carretera Austral mm-hmm. in a supported format mm-hmm. um, just to. I, I don't necessarily want to race it, but um, when we were going along, I did think. I wonder how quickly one could do this. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So that is something that's, that's an option. Yeah. I might look at, at, at running it from a supported perspective. Yeah. And then there's, there's so much to do out there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the obvious thing to say is, well, run across from here to here. And as soon as you say that, you've got, I don't know, 180 plus countries in the world. So you could just say, well, I'm going to run across yep. A, B and C. True. Um, the States is a bit big, but... Um, People have you, done it, though. Yes. Yeah. I think there's a there's a race every now and then. Probably. They run east to west or, or vice versa. So 
is there a way that we can keep up with you if you do want to do that? I think what will happen is the Facebook project page yeah. that I had set up for the what I call Project Patagonia project Patagonia. will be expanded. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll evolve okay. to incorporate these other projects. Um, so yeah, so if someone wants to um, have a look at the photos and videos that we, from this expedition, uh, they can uh, look up Project Patagonia, one word, on Facebook. We'll put the link on the show notes page. That way, if it changes to, we can update it so that people can find you. So anything else you want to add? No, I don't think so. I mean, in in my own writing on the Facebook page and otherwise, I've I've really tried to encourage people to come to Patagonia, Uh um, specifically the Karatera Austral for everything we've already discussed. And secondly, to just to try and encourage people to get out there yeah, and to get out of their comfort zone. Absolutely. I think the Karatera Austral is a perfect place to do that because it's safe, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. There are no wild animals that are going to munch you in the night. Right. Um, so yeah. That's yeah, a I bonus. Think, Good point. I think the, certainly this project as well is, is I'm hoping that it will be a, a stepping stone or even a launch pad for other projects like this, mm-hmm. again, based on the premise, just to get out there yeah. and explore. Do it, do something different. Exactly yeah. That. Yeah. Good so, for you. Yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm, I'm, I'm super impressed. I mean, well, after seeing you, you what have you to did. join one of the next ones. Yeah, I know. I yeah. would love to. I really, really would. Maybe I'll aspire to that one day. All right, well, cool. We'll have to catch up with you if you do this again in the future. Definitely. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Cheers. We haven't even done this yet, but (laughs) there, you guys can hear that. We're we're in a little cafe in in Puerto Natales in southern Chile. uh, we, we basically made it all the way through without any extra people around until now, so it's time to go. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mike. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll keep up with you and we'll talk to you soon, okay? Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Okay, how's that for alternative modes of transportation? Do you think you could do a running expedition? I actually think that maybe, maybe one day I could. I am pretty intrigued at least. So thanks again to Mike for sharing his story with us and um, inspiring some of us to think outside the box on that one. Um, Like I mentioned, you can find notes and links for everything that we talked about in this episode on the show notes page at thebudgetmindedtraveler.com slash 92, as well as a link to Mike's current running project. Once again, a shout out to our sponsor, biketours.com. I've had two incredible trips with them so far and I'm excited for more. They've introduced me to a world of cycle touring that I had never tried before and now I'm a believer. If you enjoy active travel, I encourage you to check out their website and give bike touring a shot. Biketours.com makes it easy to choose and book a tour. They've taken care of all the logistics. So all you have to do is say yes and show up. You can go straight to biketours.com to view tours or go to travelingjackie.com slash bike tours to learn more about my personal experiences cycling with them. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope that it opened your mind to more possibilities of how you might be able to see a new place. And on that note, if you like water, you definitely don't want to miss the next episode. Until then, safe travels. See you guys right back here soon. Thank you.